Hello, I'm Larry Tao, Content Director of CFA Institute Asia-Pacific Office. Welcome to another episode of the Take 15 interview. Today, I have Chris Ryan, Head of Asia-Pacific for MICI with us today in the studio. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Larry. Pleasure to be with you. Uh, I guess uh, as China's Asia market has, has grown to a uh, significant level over the last few years, uh, it's caught the, the world's attention, and so has the uh, MICI Asia Index. So I guess today we want to uh, find out more about why the A-Shares Index is not in the Emerging Market Index yet, but also uh, maybe let's start from the, uh, the basics. Let's understand MICI's criteria for including a country into the Emerging Market Index. I think uh, it's a good question. The, the, there are three basic principles that mm -hmm. we're looking at. Um, the first is access. Do foreign investors uh, and that's what the Emerging Market Index right. serves. Do foreign investors have adequate access to a market? The second issue is repatriation. Are the conditions for taking money out of that investment uh, suitable for global investors and comparable to other emerging markets around the world? We have a set of very defined standards which all investors can find on our website, it's all public. The third issue is beneficial ownership. So once investors do access the market and have the ability to liquidate their investments when they need to, uh, you know, do they have legal title to the underlying assets? Great. I think that's that's a wonderful uh, explanation. I think from our stand, uh, our perspective, I think we see this. It seems there are two kind of criteria categories. Uh, one is more of the uh, more of the objective criteria, like you said, access and repatriation. These are specific rules that that you can pinpoint. Uh, but there's also the the soft side, which is the, the kind of what you mentioned. The uh, you know the, the the second side, whether the systems are in place to support mm -hmm. a lot of these things. For sure, and we've seen examples of that uh, with emerging markets in the past, mm -hmm. where investors have, once a market is opened, yeah. they've encountered difficulties. One of the ones that we sometimes talk about is India right. in the early to mid-1990s. Uh, that market uh, operated, its, its settlement processes operated efficiently when turnover was, uh, say, 100 million or 500 million mm -hmm. a day, but when it became a billion or two billion a day, the stamping of the uh, physical beneficial ownership certificate in the sending broker had to be go to the receiving broker and then to the registry. That whole process uh, broke down, and what it meant was that investors couldn't get money in and they couldn't get money out. Right. So I think in a lot of cases, like in India and like probably today in China, is uh, it's not the size of the market or the scale of the market or the size of the GDP relative to the world. It, it's uh, it's more of the soft side of the business. The systems are not in place quite to you know, there to protect investors. Yeah. So, yeah. in the case of China, more recently, last year we saw a lot of uh, you know voluntary stock suspensions, mm -hmm. and the numbers of the stock suspensions uh, increased rapidly to the point where, at the peak, uh, against a global average of about. Uh, 
uh, say 0.2% uh, of stocks that are suspended around the world, China was at 7%. Mm -hmm. uh, that clearly affects things like access and repatriation. Uh, at 7% it's a very significant impost on the, uh, the flow of capital into and out of the country. Very significant. Uh, can you maybe compare the situation in the developed market to that in China in terms of uh, the rules for allowing companies to actually be, you know, just take their stock off the market by themselves? Well, stock suspensions are a normal part of uh, market operation, particularly where there is something going on, the company is considering uh, some kind of corporate action and is not ready to announce to the market. So the suspension per se is not the issue. The management of the suspension and uh, the, the, uh, the mechanism by which those suspensions occur is important. Yes. So in the case of Hong Kong, for example, uh, companies wishing to suspend their stock need to apply to the exchange here. The exchange uh, gives their approval one way or the other. Uh, the, in China, uh, that process uh, doesn't exist. It's a different process. Uh, that process has recently been uh, reviewed and, and revised. It's a much tougher set of standards that Chinese uh, companies need to meet to suspend their stock. Uh, but we're yet to see uh, you know, a significant uh, reduction in the number of suspended stocks. So we're waiting for that to occur. That's a very important point. So uh, let's get to the uh, China-Asia market in particular, uh, why it wasn't in the MICI you know, Emerging Market Index. I think you've alluded to a number of things already, but uh, I think going back, uh, starting from two years ago, I think that's when investors' attention really started to zoom in on, on this issue. Hmm. Maybe uh, give us some uh, background on how this has evolved. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, the first thing we want to say is to, you know, I, I think the, the regulators have done a terrific job in helping to revise and and review the restrictions that have uh, have existed in China for a long time. Mm -hmm. The first uh, QFI quota uh, was handed out, I, I think, about 13 years ago, and uh, to proceed from that first opening of QFI quota thir just 13 years ago to where the market is today is quite remarkable for a big market to move at that speed. There, of course, been times when not much has happened and times when a lot has happened, but uh, we firstly want to say that the uh, regulators have done a very good job in liberalizing the market so far. But investors have uh, standards that they want emerging markets to meet mm -hmm. for inclusion in the Emerging Markets Index and, and the market hasn't quite met those standards yet. Right. I think a lot of the, the, the reason behind the rejection in the first round was, was because exactly like you said, the investors were not ready. Mm -hmm. But uh, it seems over the past year, I think investors have actually uh, uh, you know, moved quite a bit on, on that front. I think they are getting more comfortable with China. They seem more institutional investors were probably more ready to actually include uh, China Asia in their portfolio right now. Mm -hmm. And the valuation, people can argue how whether it's fair or not, but it's come down quite a bit from the peak back in, uh, I'd say, two years ago. How do you feel the uh, investors' uh, sentiment right now? Well, I think uh, going back two years, when uh, we were talking to people in, in Europe and in the U.S. about the, uh, about the Chinese Asia market, mm -hmm. uh, I have to say there was a, a, a lot less knowledge of the market than there is today. So one thing that raising the, the potential for inclusion did was to focus 
investors' attention on learning about the A-share market, starting to come to grips with some of the, uh, the differences between other emerging markets and the China A-share market. Uh, of course, that also preceded the existence of Connect, uh, Shanghai Hong Kong Connect, uh, and of course, the more recently announced uh, Shenzhen Hong Kong Connect, right. which is yet to be implemented. But, you know, so I think focusing investors' attention, uh, remember we, we put out a roadmap uh, uh, in the previous review for the, the, the uh, potential for China to be included at uh, an inclusion factor of 5%. And that started to make it feel real for a lot of investment managers around the world. And we do see you know, a much larger number of managers now knowledgeable, uh, interested, and uh, you know, following closely the developments that occur in China. I think investors like the uh, gradual approach. That's probably what it was. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned the, the Chinese regulators have been very accommodating in this process and trying to understand the requirements and make the changes that were you know, necessary. Uh, I think with the Shenzhen Hong Kong Stock Connect, you know, the quota has been removed. So that's actually uh, probably makes things uh, a lot more uh, straightforward in terms of uh, access and repatriation in a lot of ways. Yeah, the, I mean, the Connect program suits uh, a lot of investors, but it doesn't suit everyone in terms of the way that they want to uh, to uh, transact uh, shares in China, and uh, and and you know some are more comfortable with the the quota system and being able to deal directly rather than through the the uh, the Connect program. So uh, the Connect program certainly is a is a, a, a benefit to investors globally and something that investors are, are coming to grips with and more and more uh, managers and investors around the world are signing up to become uh, participants in Connect. But uh, by itself, uh, you, know, uh, we, we, you know, I think investors want to see a broader access platform for A-shares than, than simply Connect. I see. Uh, what would you say is the biggest hurdle now for uh, A-shares to be included into the MICI Emerging Market Index? Would it be still the investor readiness or would it be sort of the regulatory side of the things? Well, we, we uh, mentioned three particular issues that uh, in our announcement in June uh, that are still uh, concerning investors. The first is that uh, for QFI investors, those are the ones that date back to about 2003, uh, those investors still have a repatriation restriction mm -hmm. of 20% per month. Now for RQ fee, uh, there's no, and for Connect, there's no such restriction. So what that means is that 81 billion US dollars of uh, you know, Chinese exposure still has that, uh, 80, that, uh, uh, that, that, that uh, restriction. And that, those, that quota is held by over 270 different foreign uh, organizations. So that's one remaining issue. The second uh, issue is the, the uh, stock suspension issue. And that just could be a matter of time, watching to see how the new rules work. But investors were not ready because those rules were introduced uh, fairly soon bef you know, uh, before the consultation. Uh, you know, that was uh, an important factor. And the third issue uh, is the pre-approval requirement for, uh, uh, say, uh, products that are include A-shares. So what that means is that if there is an emerging market fund released somewhere in the world, then technically 
uh, because of the data requirements and so on, it could require that manager to seek approval from the Shanghai Exchange when they don't have to get approval from any other exchange in the Emerging Markets Index. So there's a, there are data availability. Uh, you know, uh, investors also uh, want to see the availability of, of, uh, of futures and other derivatives to help them manage the risk in their portfolios, uh, particularly offshore. And uh, you know, there's, there's not the ability for that to happen uh, except for one historical case. So it's still more of a regulatory hurdle. And since the regulators have been very accommodating over the last two years, mm. you feel there's a change in their sentiment right now. Are they still as accommodating? Are they still working on well, these issues? they have a lot on their plate. You've seen the tremendous amount of work that's gone into Shenzhen Connect. Uh, and uh, the market here has greeted that with a lot of enthusiasm and, and talking to our clients. They see a lot of opportunities coming from the inclusion of Shenzhen and the Connect program. And that you can't underestimate how much work that is to put something like that in place from the exchange, from, from both exchanges, and from the regulators. So uh, uh, the, you know, the regulators in China, uh, they have a full agenda that includes some of these things. But uh, I guess uh, you know, the, when they get to those things is up to them. Great. Well, thank you for uh, giving us a full picture about the uh, MICI's inclusion uh, of A shares. Mm -hmm. uh, and thank you all for watching. Thank you. Copyright 2016 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.